Again, I want to thank you for joining us. And if you've got a Bible, I want to invite you to join with me in turning to the New Testament letter of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. Now, uh, since we're clearly moving into spring now, uh, if you love growing things, I wanted to ask you, how are, how, how's it going? How's it going with your, with your plants, with your flowers, with your beds? I'm sure some of you are so gifted, perhaps you've, you've even got some beds that will look like this. Uh, maybe particularly given all that we've gone through over the last year for you, it's just great to get out in the yard and, and to uh, be engaged in planning. You really get energized by that. I've got to be honest with you. I'm not really, I'm not really a flower bed person or a plant person. I've just gotten excited because there are a couple of patches in our yard where we planted grass seed last year and it's really starting to thrive this year. But here's the deal. Uh, whether you are an accomplished gardener and flower person or whether you're just like me and you simply get excited to see grass grow, here's something that we share. What we share is this. We expect things to grow. I mean, if, if you've been, if you've, you know, had already made trips to Home Depot, to Lowe's, to a local nursery, you've, you've been buying supplies, you, you know, you've, you've already invested time and, in, in the garden, in your beds, all of that. If, if you've been doing that, all of that is driven by the expectation that, that what you're going to plant will grow. And particularly at this time of year, you, all you've got to do is drive through different neighborhoods and see that expectation at work. But that leads to this question that I want to ask you. Just think about this. Clearly, when we're planting and weeding and watering, we have this expectation. We expect things to grow. But do you believe, do you believe the same thing could be true of you? Do you believe the storyline of your life could be one of growth? Likewise, could, could that be true of us as a local church community? Obviously, you know, this has been a chaotic season and there's ongoing challenges that we're working through. But could, could this, even in the midst of the chaos for us as a church community, be a season of growth? Here, here's why I'm asking you to think about these questions. Last week, we began this series in the book of Colossians and as, as I mentioned last week, this book is, is really written to a church community that's facing some uh, different challenges. And in the midst of, of what he perceives as a strategic moment, the Apostle Paul writes this letter because he wants them to engage their situation effectively. Likewise, I think we need to, to understand, light as we're coming out of what we've gone through, this is, this, is a, this is a strategic moment for us, individually and corporately. And, and so to, to kind of sort out how we can engage this moment well, how we can engage it effectively, we are working our way through the book of Colossians. As we go through this book, the Apostle Paul is going to show us how to think, how to develop healthy approaches to life, how to handle relationships well. But as he begins the book, and that's what we're going to look at this morning, as he begins the book, he gives us the bigger context for all that he is going to say. And the bigger context is this. The bigger context is, is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. And as he sets the context for all that he is going to say, as he's going to help us think strategically about the moment we are now going through, um, he operates clearly with this assumption that when the gospel takes root, 
it grows. When the good news of Jesus Christ takes root, it it grows. Just like even now you've got certain expectations as you're you know, spending time with plants, with flowers, in the garden, just as you have certain expectations about growth, Paul has certain expectations about the good news of Jesus Christ. When it, when it takes root, it, it grows. And that now brings us to the opening part of Colossians chapter 1. So this week we're actually going to start at the beginning of the letter. Uh, like many ancient letters um, of the Roman world, the, the letter begins with a greeting from the Apostle Paul, and then it moves to a section of thanksgiving. And here's what, here's what Paul is thankful for. This really begins in verse 3. He says, We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of the love you have for all God's people, The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. We'll come back to this, but notice that the different character traits of faith, hope, and love that he say flow out of the work of the gospel. Then then as he continues, he, he just talks about the power of the gospel at work and the truth that the gospel is really unstoppable. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Once again, I think the big idea is when the gospel takes root, it it grows. Now, in light of this opening section of Thanksgiving, I think there are a couple of questions that come to mind. First of all, there's, there's this simple question. What, what exactly does he mean by the gospel, right? I mean, that's a word we throw a lot, around a lot in Christian circles, but, but what exactly does it mean? I mean, he, he shows them the gospel is working locally in their context. It's working globally throughout the, the Roman world. But what, what does he mean by that? Well, let's unpack that just for a moment. I mean, what comes to your mind when you hear the word gospel. I think for many, uh, what comes to mind is this. Well, the gospel is the message of, of how you become a follower of Christ. It's how you become a Christian. It's the message of salvation, right? It's the message that Christ died for us. He died for our sins. He was raised in triumph. And, and when we put our faith and trust in him, we become his followers. And through that, we, we experience forgiveness. We experience eternal life. And all of that is true, but but here's something we need to pay attention to. Sometimes I think when we, when we simply think of the gospel as, as the plan of salvation, we view it as a message that only non-Christians need to hear, right? The gospel is simply the message that gets you over the line. That's all it does. But... When you study the New Testament, I think it becomes clear, and I think it's clear in the book of Colossians, that Paul and the other writers of the New Testament had an understanding of the gospel that is the good news that, that is much more robust than that. And I think the key is this. Now, hear me carefully. The key is the gospel isn't simply the message of salvation. Foundationally, the gospel is the message of Jesus. 
Let me, let me say that again. The gospel isn't simply the message of salvation. Foundationally, the gospel is the message of Jesus. You see, foundationally, the good news is the message that Jesus is the Christ, that is the Messiah, the promised one, the one who comes to fulfill God's promises to set things right. And that's implied in this passage. He comes, he comes as Messiah. He comes as king. And through his death and resurrection, he makes it possible for us to be forgiven, to be restored, so that when we put our faith, our trust in him, we become part of what he is doing. We become part of his kingdom, and his spirit then begins to empower us to now live in a way that more and more reflects his character. Furthermore, as king, Jesus will one day return to finish what he has started and to establish his kingdom in its final form. So the gospel isn't simply the message of salvation. Foundationally, the gospel is the message of Jesus. And notice when we understand that, the gospel isn't simply how you get in. The gospel is also (laughs) how you go on. And that's, that's exactly what Paul assumes here. I mean, he talks about the gospel being at work among them right now. And in simple terms, for Paul, the message of the gospel is it's the message of God's grace. It's the message of, of God's ongoing grace, his growing grace, his empowering grace. And the assumption is when the gospel takes root... When it takes root, it grows. Now, um, that understanding of the gospel really leads to a second question. And the second question is this. What, What exactly is the gospel doing? If the gospel is at work, if the gospel is growing, what exactly is the gospel doing? Well, first of all, I think Paul argues the gospel is just, the gospel is at work globally as more and more people are becoming followers of Jesus Christ. And even as that was true 2,000 years ago when, when Paul wrote this letter, it is, it is true today even in the midst of a pandemic that the gospel is at work and more and more people are, are coming to faith even in the midst of all of this chaos. Just to give you a couple of examples, let me, let me just share a couple of updates from, from our missionary families, from the people we are working with. First of all, you may know we have partners in Haiti, the STEP Seminary. And frankly, the last year for STEP has been challenging in so many ways because due to local gang activity, the, sem- the seminary actually hasn't been able to meet on campus. They've had to meet elsewhere. But in spite of that, the seminary is continuing to do its work. It's continuing to train pastors and leaders. Additionally, we as a church have partnered with them to send three Haitian missionaries to a majority Muslim country in West Africa. So now (laughs) Haiti is, Haiti is, is going from being a mission field to a mission force, and, and we get to be a part of that. Here's a second, here's a second example. Think about Wuhan, China. Now realize a lot of things come to our minds when we think about Wuhan, China, and perhaps not the first is the idea that God could be at work there. 
But even in the midst of all that's gone on, we're actually partnering with a couple that live and work in Wuhan. And they're working to, even now, equip local church leaders and raise up Chinese missionaries to go to other parts of the world. In fact, this couple has even uh, really benefited us because early in the pandemic, uh, they sent us hundreds of masks when masks were hard to find. I'll, I'll just give you one more example. Uh, you're probably not aware of this, but this last week was the beginning of Ramadan, which is a month of fasting in Islam. And, and did you know, this is incredible, but did you know that right now more Muslims are coming to faith in Jesus Christ than in, in, in any other time in history. And, and we have partners that we are working with that are seeing churches planted in the Middle East and across Central Asia. So Paul says, look, you know what? The, the gospel is just expanding. It's, it's working throughout the world as more and more people are coming to faith in Jesus. And that was, you know, that was an amazing claim for him to make because remember at the time he writes this letter, he's writing maybe to a handful of people in Colossae, maybe somewhere between 25 and 40 people. And likewise, they're just small pockets of Christianity at this point throughout the Roman world. And yet he's confident, right? That, that, no, it's growing. It's becoming a force. And that's exactly what happened. And even as the stories I just shared indicate, that is exactly what is continuing to happen. So the gospel, the gospel is at work globally. That's what Paul is talking about. But I think Paul shows us that not only is the gospel at work globally, not only are more and more people coming to faith in Jesus, but the gospel, the gospel is also at work personally. And and as the gospel takes root in our lives, Paul notes that there are three things that he describes that the gospel can produce in us, right? And you see it in his thanksgiving. The results of receiving the gospel, the results of the gospel being at work include faith, love, and hope. Now, if, if, you're, if you're familiar with the New Testament at all, you may be thinking, you know, I've heard those three mentioned before. Maybe, maybe we tend to hear them as faith, hope, and love and because of, of the way they're used in 1 Corinthians. As it turns out, you will find this group of virtues mentioned in multiple locations, not only in, in the writings of Paul, but also in other uh, New Testament letters. And I think that tells us this. I think it tells us that, that for early Christian leaders, this, this became a helpful way to describe what God's grace in our lives can do. This became a helpful way to, to describe how, how our lives are changed as the message of the gospel really takes root in our lives and the Spirit does His transforming work. These are some of the character traits that will flow out of His work. And so the Apostle Paul will reference these together at, at a handful of locations throughout his letters. Uh, one, one of the places where I, I really love the phraseology is the way he describes uh, these three at work when he's writing the church in Thessalonica, right? He talks about the work produced by faith, the labor prompted by love, and endurance inspired 
I hope. So let's, let's just talk about these for a moment. First of all, think of that concept of hope. In Colossians, he says that, you know, there's a hope stored up for you, and and it's the expectation that Christ will one day finish what he has started. And when he does, who we are in him will be fully revealed. Later, we're going to see in the book that he tells us we are to set our minds on things above because our, our life is now hidden with Christ. So there's this sense of the hope of what, Uh, lies ahead in the future that needs to be central to our thinking. Now, at this point, you may say, you know what? I I don't really think about the end of history. I don't, (laughs) that doesn't really interest me. I'm, I'm just focused on the present. I'm focused on the here and now. But here's the reality. When, when the Bible talks about hope, it's, it's talking about the way our understanding of the future affects the present. And I think for all of us, to some degree, our perceptions of the future are affecting how we engage the present, even now. To show you what I mean, do this thought experiment with me. Let's let's imagine you get this job that you applied for. It's it's with a company you really want to work for, and it's it's really an entry-level position. But as you get the job, you have this expectation, this hope, that over time you're going to be able to do other things. You're going to get other positions, other responsibilities in this company. And so with that in mind, you get this new job. You throw yourself into the work. You're working hard. You know, all of your skills, you are applying well to doing this job. But then, but then over time, you, you kind of get more familiar with the company and you realize it's not exactly what you anticipated. And maybe due to circumstances beyond your control, things you might even think of as corporate politics, you realize, you know what, I'm, I'm never going to have the opportunity to do those other things that I had wanted to do. I'm, those, those opportunities simply aren't coming by my way. How's, how's that going to affect the way you engage your job? Most likely, and I think most of us would acknowledge this, I, I think you'd, you'd begin to lose motivation. You wouldn't, you wouldn't give the extra effort that you had when you started that position. Now, why is that? Because your understanding of the future is affecting the present. It's shaping the present. And even now, I think that there are certain expectations that you have about the future that, that are affecting the way you engage this present moment, whether you're really aware of them or not. Similarly, for some of us, maybe there are certain experiences in our past that have been very influential that, that shape how we think the, about the future, and, and they're influencing how we engage our, our present-day experiences. So Paul says, look, I want you to be rooted in the reality of what Christ is doing, and I want that, that hope to affect the way you engage this present moment. Now, in describing these traits in Colossians, uh, Paul implies that out of hope will flow faith and love. So let's, let's talk a little bit further about those two things. First of all, the idea of faith. I think in this context, the idea of faith entails faithful steps of obedience, right? As we're shaped by hope, as our minds are shaped by the reality of what God is doing, it, it should foster faith, that is, it should foster a willingness to put what we are learning into practice, to being open to the ongoing transforming work of God's Spirit, where he he works so that more and more we reflect the character of Jesus Christ. Let me give you a personal example. I think I've mentioned this before, but 
I, I believe one of the realities of COVID is this. It's been revealing. That is, COVID has revealed certain things about us as, as we've responded to all the things that have been thrown our way. And frankly, one of, I you know, don't always like to admit it, but I think one of the things I've been reminded of during COVID is that sometimes it's just really easy for me to get stuck in negative thought patterns. And so I was having a conversation with a friend of mine about this, and the, the outcome of the conversation was this. I said, hey, there's this book that I've just heard about that I, that I want to read. It's called Winning the War in Your Mind, and if you'd like to know more, I'll be glad to email you the info. And I told my friend, I, I, I want to go through this book. Will you go through it with me? So that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to go through this book together. And why? Because, you know, I... <laughs> I want to take a faith step in this area. I want to be open to how God's spirit, how his grace can shape my thinking, perhaps in new and different ways. So Paul talks about hope. He talks about faith. And then there's the reality of love. And here we're reminded once again that following Jesus is not something that we are intended to do on our own. And I think that's important for us to remember because our experiences over the last year have caused us to be more isolated. And, and as we are moving forward, as, as we engage this season well to do that, I think we need to be attuned to re-engaging relationships that we may have neglected. I mean, how can I reconnect in areas where I've been disconnected? I think we need to wrestle with that question. So Paul says this, as the gospel takes root in our lives, here are ways that God's grace, his ongoing work, can shape us. Interestingly, I think he's going to build on this Thanksgiving when we get to chapter 3, because there he intentionally will show us how, uh, how our thinking, our mindset should be shaped by hope. He will challenge us to take steps of faithful obedience as we learn to develop certain patterns of behavior and unlearn other patterns of behavior. And he will encourage us to relate to one another well, as we develop the character trait of love. So I think the invitation for us right now of this opening Thanksgiving is this. As we go through the book, will you be open to the ways in which God's grace can change you and shape you even now? Will you be open to that? Even as we do this, let me remind you and inform you, if you weren't with us last week, that as we go through this, one of the things we are doing is praying through this book week by week. And if you'd like to know more about what that can look like, we have a prayer guide you can pick up if you're on campus. Uh, you can also find a PDF version at hfcinfo.com. Furthermore, if each week as we go through this, you would like to receive a kind of just a text message reminder about uh, each week's uh, prayer theme, all you have to do is text DRT to 717-537-9172. So I encourage you to, to do that with us. It's, it's really a faith step that we are taking together as a church community. So let me ask you this. We talked at the beginning about this being a season of growth, even as we're working in gardens and beds. So will you be open to the truth that God can bring about growth in your life right now? Will you be open to putting what we will be learning in this book into practice so that more and more 
the gospel takes root in your life. Because remember, when the gospel takes root, it grows. (laughs) When the gospel takes root, it grows. Let's pray together. So, Father, um, as we read through Paul's thanksgiving, we are reminded that uh, he has these deep expectations about the ongoing work of the gospel. And, Father, I have to confess that perhaps over the last year, it's been easy to lose sight of that. It's been easy just to get caught up in reacting and, and negative thinking, and it's easy just to be uh, to becoming overwhelmed by much that we have gone through. And yet this passage really challenges us and encourages, encourages us to think differently. So now as we continue through the book, and now even as we pray through it this week, I pray that we would be open to the truth, um, that you want to be a, bring about change and growth in our lives. And that's exactly what can happen as, as your spirit applies the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. So may we be people that really expect that. May we be people that respond to your word with that in mind. And may we be open to your ongoing work of grace in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.